from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. Six initiatives head to the Washington ballot with $6 million in support from one dude. On top of all that, Washington State Democrats, uh, some random committee, I don't know what it is, they passed a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Great. Finally, now those horrible terrorists, I'm sure that they will listen. And then on top of all that, the legislature advances proposal allowing cafes in more neighborhoods. And I had an instance where mayhap I was a bigot. Didn't mean to be, but mayhap I was. All that and more. But first, we're always talking about big money in politics. Big money influencing politics. Yeah, how yeah. it changes things over time. How it's, it's changed the way that people view politics. How many times, Spike, have you heard this? We got to get big money out of politics. Got to go back to small donors. We got to eliminate election two years down to election 90 days. Like how they do in Spain or whatever it is. Like we have to stop all this nonsense. I've heard it dozens, if not hundreds of times over the course of my life. I think Citizens United might have been the most influential and damaging opinion from the Supreme Court in our lifetime. You know, not a lot of people know what Citizens United was about. Are you familiar with the case? Very, very familiar. Okay, well, so for people out there who who don't know, there was a, a, a production company and they did a documentary about Hillary Clinton. And the Clinton campaign was basically arguing that that documentary, which would be, it was a Effectively, like a hit piece, mm-hmm. was uh, surmount or amounted to a campaign contribution. The Supreme Court came in and actually said, "No, those people have the right to make that documentary, even though it is effectively political in nature." And the consequences of that, when you hear the phrase "corporations aren't people," technically speaking, under Citizens United, a corporation has the same rights or is entitled to the same rights as a person. However, we don't charge corporations with murder. We don't charge, you know, we, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. And to a campaign perspective, we as individuals have a limited amount of money we can donate to an individual. Right. Whereas a corporation can un, can donate untold amounts, limitless amounts of money. So Brian Haywood is a name that I had not heard up until I was looking at, well, who's funding all these ballot initiatives out there? Now, whether or not I agree with them, that's besides the point. But I thought, who's funding it? He pulled his hedge fund business out of California in 2010. He said, I got to get out of these high-tax, liberal politics, uh, California. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go up to Washington where I can get away from liberals, is what he said to himself. You go be around some... Girl. Boy, was he in for a surprise. <laughs> He's using all of his money. He donates to a bunch of Republican candidates. And then in 2024, he has decided that he shall become a... Or excuse me, 2023, he's decided to become a very consequ- consequential figure in Washington politics. Six million dollars uh, into a paid signature gathering campaign you see people who are collecting signatures mm-hmm. generally those people are being paid and when you look at the the amount of money that he has put into this now some of these are initiatives that i happen to agree with some of them not so much but that's besides the point isn't it so interesting that one man can effectively hire an army of people to go out there and say do you want to sign this petition in order to get it put on the ballot? Gone are the days of the door-to-door, we represent this campaign or whatever right, grass, it is. Grassroots. We believe in it so we passionately it, right. now, that we're taking our Saturday. Exactly. Now for $20 an hour, you can be, be you don't have to believe in it at all, but they feed you the talking points, mm-hmm. and then you stand outside of the Kroger and you say, can you believe these liberals are trying to make it so that if, if you own a gun, you're instantly going to jail? Sign this thing. So you don't go to jail. Oh, go to jail. Uh, 
Let me I don't want to go to jail. I'll sign that right now. Uh, so there's certain things that I totally agree with. The one, you know, targeting the state's long-term uh, care payroll tax. That's that makes right. That's a good one that I think we need to get rid of. Well, I think you made a great point earlier. It doesn't matter if you're for or against this. It's just a good thing mm-hmm. that untold amounts of money, limitless amounts of money, can be put in place in a general sw- fund. To, to, yeah, it's not candidate driven. Right. It's issue driven. So it's a, it's a gray area. It's soft money. And it's limitless, and it, well, and it, it sways public opinion. So I hear a lot of people, they criticize people like George Soros, right? They go after Jeff yeah. Bezos, and they're talking or about- the, the Koch brothers. The or Koch whoever, brothers. Whatever stripe it might be. Whoever, the, the, the Wilkes brothers, mm-hmm. whoever it might be, fracking billionaires who are funding conservative media. Silent when it comes to Brian Haywood. Silent, right? Absolutely, completely silent, because there's a lot of policies that they agree with, and they go, well, I'm going to get mine. Yes, and exactly. I, my issue with it is basically, so you're willing to take money from a hedge fund manager. I have been told by many of my conservative friends the biggest problem with with uh, uh, politics right now in the United States is these mega corporate donors, and he gives six million dollars. Silence, no criticism whatsoever, because it's all for policies. That, hey, admittedly, I agree with some of these policies. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about the more fundamental core issue here, which is that I have to be consistent about this. I have to be. Or I guess I could be a duplicitous, you know, I could be, I could just go out and say, hey, isn't this so great? One man fighting for the state. But if he can do it, what's to say that the next Democrat multi-billionaire comes through and says, I'm going to get some initiatives on the ballot and I'm going to pay people $20 an hour to ensure that if you want to buy Pomeranians or if you want to have your kids play in a pool, you're going to get fined and have to pay a fee and then there'll be a kiddie pool tax at 50%. So in the summertime, (laughs) when you want to fill up your little kiddie pool, you're going to be paying a 50% tax on that. Bezos could get that through, I'm sure of it, right? Absolutely. The money goes both ways and I think it's drowning us all. Right. And I I keep, you know, that, that campaign, Let's Go Washington, I kept reading about it over and over and over and over and over again. And I thought that it was this grassroots campaign. And yeah. I thought that it was made up of people who were true believers. And then I actually, you know, you look at I believe it. I'll take that $20 an hour job. That's what they're truly <laughs> believing in. Yeah. I believe, you know, I could either deliver packages for Amazon or I could go around and I could get signatures. Stand in front of the Kroger all day. I think it's a major issue and I think that we should confront it and be consistent in our, in our morals. Um, speaking of, by the way, the Washington State Democrats Central Committee passed a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Do we have the audio from that? Laura, did they just make a statement on it? I think it's just a statement. I am so... Whereas. A lot of whereas is going on. Uh, whereas. Yeah, it was the, yeah, it was whereas. the whereas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shall, we, uh, shall we read through it piece by piece, Spike, or did you forget your reading glasses? No, no, no. Well, can you, shall I start? Whereas, in response to the attack by Hamas on October 7th, 2023, the Israeli military has imposed a siege on the Gaza Strip, depriving 2.3 million Palestinians of water, food, shelter, electricity, fuel, access to medical care, transportation, and internet. Uh, In one of the more of the hundred days since, armed violence has claimed the lives of at least 26,000 Palestinians in Gaza, approximately two-thirds of whom are women and children. That's because the terrorists like to hide behind them. 347 in the West Bank and over 1,200 people in Israel with tens of thousands of more wounded, resulting in the 1.9 million internally displaced people. And they go on to say, whereas, whereas... Whereas there's a whole lot of whereas going on, and they so quote Jerry Lewis. Therefore, let it be f- 
further resolved, the Washington State Democratic Central Committee values all human life is precious. The views targeting of civilians, no matter their faith or ethnicity, is a violation of humanitarian law. And so they say that they support a ceasefire to immediately ease the suffering of 1.9 million displaced people. Uh, Bibi doesn't care about this. The coalition government in in Israel doesn't care about this. Hell, the Republican or Demo, excuse me, the Democratic administration in Washington doesn't. They don't care, care about, about this. this. I understand yeah. that it's a gesture of faith, and I understand yeah, yeah. Uh, they say the the committee affirms our commitment to combat anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and anti-Palestinian anti anti-Arab bigotry. Uh, our, our our support for people both Israel and yeah. Palestine to live in peace and security. That's all nice. It is, and, and, I, and I, as a Democrat in Washington, I I appreciate their show. Of, of civility and, and empathy for the people suffering through this horrific conflict. Sure, sure, sure. I will, yeah, go ahead. There's just so much that is not mentioned. It's a one-sided view, and I understand. Did you, did you follow the U.N.'s uh, ruling in the U.N. criminal court? I had heard about it. I don't really, they, I don't like globalists, so I just kind of went, la, 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 la. <laughs> It is. It is. I, I did a lot of reading into this weekend because the U.N. didn't, con, didn't call it genocide. You know, but they did enact a ceasefire in all but name is what it's being referred to as the UN UN criminal court resolution okay. asking Israel to take further steps, take every step possible mm-hmm. to avoid civilian conflict, to avoid civilian well, casualties. Uh, do you say. know why they didn't use the term genocide? Because uh, I was curious, right? Because the population of Gaza has increased over the last fifteen years; it has not gone down. And then when people say like, "Oh, were well, they're genociding these people?" Why is it that there are more Palestinians living in Israel now than there was fifteen years ago? Yeah, but there are elements of this uh, this military action from Israel mm-hmm. that have been addressed in this uh, ruling by the UN World Global Criminal Court right that says you can't deny aid that 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 would lead to the genocide of the citizens of of Gaza okay. so there, there are some things in this UN this toothless UN resolution that didn't call it genocide and doesn't call for a ceasefire right but they are asking them to hey let's let's make sure that aid is getting in, and you can't stop aid from getting in because sure. you understand there's very little difference between the Palestinian citizenry and the, and the Hamas. The nuance here, my friend, is that when aid goes to these refugee camps or wherever it might be, Hamas views it as their holy duty to insert themselves in that circumstance and either A, blow people up, or B, blow themselves up, or C, steal that stuff and bring it back to, they steal it from women and children. Well, you, you get the nuance. You know who doesn't? The Washington Democratic Party. No, they don't. Which calls yes. for this ceasefire. So, and I, I will say this, if if we're really talking about people to pull their weight on this, you know, the Egyptian government has basically been like, hey, pff, we're not taking any yeah, refugees. Not, not ours. We're not taking anybody. Yeah. What are you out of your mind? So, th- I understand people's, their, their desire to have peace in the world. I have this desire. It's what I pray for every single day when I align my chakras. Put my hands to my to my forehead, it, in my third eye, and I pray for world peace and kindness and love. Unfortunately, there are people out there who need a tremendous amount of help, and they need a lot of therapy, and they need a lot of resources and, and some information. And some information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what was going on, on October sixth? There was a ceasefire. Exactly on October sixth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. ignored. And I think you know when I see those those protests, like what they had in Bellevue with those kids who were saying "Free, free Palestine" and all this other stuff. The clips that I see of college-age kids supporting Palestine, all too often these are kids who are smiling and laughing as they talk about um, the, the death of Israel, uh, Israeli citizens. It's really bizarre. And so you would have to kind of, in my mind, you have to start speaking to people so that they understand the complexity of geopolitics and that you cannot bargain 
with theocrats. You just can't. There is no what if you're a theocrat, there is no ceasefire, there is no bargaining, no. there is no please would There's you be a higher so kind. calling. There is a higher calling, and this is why theocracies will ultimately fail always. Speaking of, by the way, theocracies, cafes and neighborhoods. Everybody loves a good cafe. Uh, there's legislature is advancing this proposal, allowing more cafes in more neighborhoods. Is there a more like bougie West Coast thing to do than to pass a law saying we need more cafes? I love this law. <laughs> I'm know. all for this law. I know, but is there anything more bougie than, okay, so I was just in the south of France, and when I was in Neves, they had a cafe on every corner, and, and they, the man who was serving us was a waiter, and he was wearing a bow tie and a vest and smoking a cigarette as he said, may I bring you your eclair? <laughs> Not the only positive and thing then about it. when I came back to my neighborhood in Bellevue, I was looking around, and I just thought, can't we have more cafes around here that seat three or four hundred people? Where it's not all the no. I mean, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is yeah, but don't we want don't we want uh, businesses that require us not to don't require us to get in our car to drive to? We, we talk about little urban neighborhoods. Sure, if we could drop a cafe or a daycare into a home on a street, you know, and make sure that people can come and, and visit and shop and play and gather. In their own neighborhoods? Yeah, but I've been, That's good, I, I right? live in Eastlake. I'm lousy with cafes. They're you, begging me but, to come but in. But the folks in Medina, as this article in The Urbanist uh, says, you know, they don't have them. They'd like, and the city's looking at allowing homes to become bu- limited businesses with limited hours, with consideration for the impact on its neighbors with regard to noise or traffic or parking. These are good things to consider. I will say this. I, I did get invited, uh, Matt Butler, producer for The Night Show with Jake Skorheim, he asked me if I wanted to go. He wanted some advice mm-hmm. for me because I'm a wellspring of advice, career advice, professional advice. You are. People come to me because of my many wisdoms. Kind of the oracle of Cairo. I kind of I am. I, I am kind of a beacon of goodwill and, and kindness towards my brothers and sisters in, in the world. So it Matt is out the show. Matt comes to me, tears in his eyes, and he says to me, he's, he's just literally welling up, and he says, Sir, I can't believe that they indicted you on all those charges. Wait, that's the well, Trump story. You. Sorry, that's you. the Trump story. <laughs> so I know it's sorry. hard to keep the two of you I separate. get them so mixed up. No, he said, he said, can I, can we go get a cup of coffee? I need some career advice. So I said, sure, we can go. So we go to the Grand Central Bakery. Great place. I get him a tuna milk, get him a tea, because he's a growing boy. He needs mm-hmm. his vitamins. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we sit down and we're talking. And as I we sit down at this table, I look over at another table. And I see a group of people. And I need people's response to this, because I feel like I might have had a bigoted thought feel like I maybe had a thought that was maybe inappropriate. Maybe I was stereotyping. Okay. But I see a group of people of various genders who are sitting around a table, but they are all wearing uh, beanies with kind of Dickies, uh, Dickies jackets that have like rainbow pins and a okay. trans flag. Okay. And, okay. and they're all wearing like kind of gender neutral clothing, if that makes sense, where they're... They're being very kind of in the middle, very – and I look at that table and I go, if I went up to that table, I just had this thought, and I referred to all of them as they, them, they would make TikTok reels about feeling affirmed and feel – you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, okay. I thought if okay. I went up to that table and I acknowledged all those people as – if I just assumed it right off the top of my head, mm-hmm. I guarantee you three-quarters of the people at that table are quote-unquote non-binary. I just had that thought, and then I thought of my stereotyping. Is this wrong of me to do, being that I'm seeing people who are 
again, and they're like they're like Darby's friends. Remember yeah. Darby's yeah, friends? Of course, of course. Thanksgiving. And they could they could just be allies, right? But I saw Darby's friends at your Thanksgiving, and I immediately went, "There's a couple of AMs right there." You bet you, right? Were, yeah, and you were right on your you were right on the in your shaved heads life. with the big owl glasses and yeah, the piercings. Sure. I instantly was like, "Those are gender neutral kids." But, but you didn't think less of them. Your question was, am I bigoted for, for, your question was, am I bigoted for identifying by on-site and action and wardrobe? I'm just saying. Someone's, uh, someone's proclivity. Or the other thought was, is it now a stereotype that when I see people dress like that, my first thought is, those are gender, gender neutral, gender non-conforming people. Laura, am I, are you picking up what I'm putting down here? Yeah, I would say that their gender expression was working, right? Like yeah, they were yeah. comfortable enough to like express their gender in a, in a way that reflected how they probably feel right but also do i spend too much time on the internet so that i can identify exactly the way because they were wearing name tags that said hi my pronouns are oh the pins didn't say they no 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 no. but they were wearing every other piece of what i have ever seen a quote-unquote gender neutral person wearing they had it like if they if you took pictures of them and put them in like they them magazine they would be on the front does that make sense like Mm -hmm. they were thus the the archetype of that right well i mean i'll give you like the on sweet answer which is like the best thing you do is just ask well I, that's what are thing, your pronouns i don't think i needed to ask though that's the thing that i'm weird weirded out about this we're like am i too exposed to like uh, uh are, are you woke by being so aware exactly exactly mm. okay is have that, i been infected with the woke mind virus hey, i'm gonna die slow i'm down. sick slow Give down me the, <laughs> um isn't this a good thing for you to be aware of your surroundings of the of the life of others and, and you're accepting of these kids Right, you didn't pass judgment in I mean, a negative they sat way. Sat a little bit close to us. Well, that's that's so social. I, that's social. Which is like I like yeah, a good two feet of distance not, between me and they strangers. They could have been young Republicans and being too close to you felt the same thing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, if they were walking around with like red ties with uh, yaf pins, I would have said like clean oh, shaven. Yeah, I would have said those are some good <laughs> Christian boys right there. Is what I would have thought did, immediately. Did, did you know that twenty percent, or excuse me, twenty eight percent? Of Gen Zers identify themselves as members of the LGBTQ plus community. Right. 28%, more than one in four Americans of Gen yeah, Z like, identify. Sp- like when people get asked that those questions for those polls, like a lot of the times it's like, I, I just feel like some people say, yeah, just for funsies. This, right? this poll was conducted by the Public Religious Research Institute. I don't think they were giving it up to be part of the in crowd. Oh, I see. I think it's an honest assessment. This is on this is on a, a website that is because I wanted to make sure I wasn't getting confirmation bias in my research. I looked for the most anti, I would say, LGBTQ plus website out there, and they're saying twenty percent as a bad thing. I think it's I think it's that people have options and they're exercising the the, the ability and freedoms to decide who they are, and that, that can't be a bad. It's thing. a woke mind virus, is what it is, <laughs> and we need to get back to Jesus. We'll take a really quick break. When we get back, uh, you would not believe when I was on. Uh, when I was on Twitter over the weekend, yeah, the amount of illicit images I saw of uh, not only Taylor Swift but other <sighs> prominent women—really, the, the AI deepfakes—oh no—are now to such a extent that they are being now blocked on the free speech platform. They are being blocked flat out, really, on the free speech platform that I was told I could use by a billionaire who bought that company using money from the Saudi government. I was told it was a free speech platform. Why can't I have my defamatory deepfakes on there? We'll talk about it when we get back right after this. The internet can be a dark and often dangerous place. Only one man has the courage to go where no sensible person would go. Jack Stein is terminally online. Terminally online. Wasting my life on the internet so you don't have to. 
So I'm perusing the internet this weekend because Spike O'Neill had a birthday weekend and he didn't call me back. So I needed to blind out my sorrows by doom scrolling for hours on end. And as I did, I started to notice more and more and more images of Taylor Swift being doctored and making it basically an AI produced deep fake of Taylor Swift either engaged in adult behavior or... Uh, it was like an AI-generated image that was kind of cartoonish in nature, but still fairly realistic. Okay. In which she was, just as a quick example, Mr. O'Neill, if I can be as as careful about this as I possibly can in describing this, I want you to imagine that Taylor Swift is completely naked and covered in red paint, and she is in the at a, in a football stadium, uh-huh. and she is surrounded by Chiefs fans. And the the paint is being smeared, so you can see how many men have touched her gotcha. and where they have touched gotcha. her. Gotcha. And so I saw this, and I thought, oh. well, this is pretty tasteless. This is pretty bad, and I wonder if anybody's going to do anything about this. And then almost within hours, boom, all of a sudden they started going away. And there was a nice write-up about this over at My Northwest. Basically, Taylor Swift unleashed her army. It's an invasion, I'm told. And they had the hashtag protect Taylor Swift. And then they started in mass reporting those accounts who had deep fakes and who had produced these images. And then they started uh, uh, flooding Twitter with positive images of Taylor Swift. So I, t- I saw Taylor Swift picking flowers and sitting next to pumpkins and all this kind of nice stuff. Nice, right. Nice. But then it hit me out of nowhere. I was told that Twitter is a free speech platform. I was told it was the last place for free speech. And technically speaking, according to the Supreme Court, pornographic images are included in free speech. Now I said to they myself, are. They are. I said to myself, does this technically violate any laws? So I look into it, not a law to be found, not a single one to be found. So I thought, well, this is odd and suspicious other than technically Swift could say these images are so realistic, so hyper realistic that they are defamatory in nature. And thus, I want them taken down. Yeah. If but, only there was a case recently in which someone who committed uh, defamation was penalized heavily, monetarily. I wonder almost as if, you know, I was talking to Curly, John Curly, uh, this weekend about... Uh, he said, Hi, John. He said, you got... Oh, he I said, love that he listens so much. Yeah, he, he's actually listening to the entire show at all times. So when we mention his name, he can turn on his microphone and do that every single time. It's really quite amazing. That's his dedication. <laughs> talking to John, and he says... Are you listening to Matt Taibbi's podcast? Now, Matt Taibbi is the Twitter files guy, and he's the guy. Former Rolling Stone writer. Former Rolling Stone writer, and he's the guy who lied, pardon me, misrepresented what the Twitter files were actually about. Because if you actually look into the actual Twitter files, basically what you see is the Biden campaign, not administration, telling Twitter that they should probably take down those hacked images of Hunter Biden because that in the state of California is known as revenge pornography and incurs a thousand dollar fine for each infraction. So not just the one image itself, every single time it's shared. So for a company like Twitter, when you're looking at millions, if not billions of users over a course of a week period, how many times is that image shared? A thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, thousand dollar fine for each of those. You bankrupt a company in in two weeks. And, and, and it's Twitter's policy, right? Exactly. To not put this this material online. So, but what I what I was really what really freaked me out about this more so than anything else is the seething hatred that people have towards Taylor, like the seething hatred 
that members of the GOP, at least on Twitter or MAGA people, have towards Taylor Swift. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure why. You're talking about a, a fairly a, a fairly button up, pretty innocuous pop star here, yeah. who happens to vote Democrat, but the seething vitriol for a 32 year old white woman is was astounding to me to the point where they were saying why can't we share these pornographic images of this person why is this being taken down to which my response was if you're like a 40 year old dude and you're upset because somebody made a naughty picture of taylor swift and you can't see it anymore maybe it's time to call your kids you know what i mean like maybe (laughs) maybe it's time to call your ex-wife and say hey can i take the kids out this afternoon i really I need some, I, some positivity I, I, I in my got, life. I got a lot of problems right yeah, now. And I've been alone too long. I've been alone for far too long, and I just keep Googling Hunter Biden Twitter files, and I just keep looking at naked Hunter Biden, and I think I need help. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think you're right about this analysis of the people that are crying to see this image. Right. Um, I'm, I'm more concerned about the people who think that this is how you react to different political discourse, is that you promote, uh, you know, abusive and exploitive images that's that's good well, re- that's good you know discourse you and i had a debate about this though and laura's on my side with this which is why laura's getting an a plus today because i said that the only time in which there will be actual laws to stop this is when it happens to certain people like donald j trump or someone of the like and then you chimed in and you said no 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 it's going to happen now and then laura said Absolutely not. There's uh, yeah. no way that they're going to make a law over pornographic videos or images of a woman it's, being shared right. without got, her permission. That's gonna, just that's not going to be anyone's line. It's going to have to be Mitch McConnell. For male lawmakers. It's going to have to be Justin Chaffetz. It's mm-hmm. going to have to be someone who is who is in a position, a man who is in a position of power, who is humiliated by these images, who then goes to the extent to make these laws. The reason that that revenge porn law exists in the fine state of California mm-hmm. is is because of a, a young woman who was brutalized by that. And Gavin Newsom had the courage to say, I'm signing this into law immediately the second that it gets to my desk. Uh, uh, Why isn't that a federal law? Why isn't revenge uh, pornography a federal law? Just I, I, out of curiosity. I, I'm not going to disagree with you because you guys, your points of view are so well-founded and based in reality. But I would I would say this. <laughs> There wasn't a law against Ticketmaster scalping people. They didn't even look at the issue until Taylor Swift tickets cost $15,000 a piece. Okay. And some some congressional member's granddaughter complained to Papa. Oh. Okay. So that's what, now that now that they've attacked Taylor Swift with these AI generated pornographic images, somebody's granddaughter is going to complain to Papa and the needle's going to start to move in legislation. I'm telling you the woman is a force of nature from both a social position from mm-hmm. a political position from an economic position right t swift is moving the needle in every direction so, so it you're, needs to be. So you're saying like patrick Leahy's granddaughter yes says papa Papa, why favorite, are they doing this why to are taylor they doing- <laughs> with her little friendship bracelet <laughs> why won't grandpa do anything grandpa, <laughs> how about a kiss remember remember um miracle on 34th street yeah yeah, yeah. how about a kiss for grandpa man the yeah. grandkids were done yeah she moved the needle okay you know, it, it, I I think to your point, Laura, it's it's tragic that you're so right about this. Well, I that hope I hope you're make, right. Well, yeah. no, but, but I'm afraid that you may be right that they will never protect women the right to the, to the way, level that they should about the decency and and civility of how you interact with people. 
It's it's criminal. It's it's horrific. It's embarrassing as a guy. Well, I mean, I will say this as well. Uh, in 2019, a report that was released by AI firm Deep Trace Labs showed that images were overla- overwhelmingly weaponized against women, meaning that for the last four years, it, AI deepfakes are almost exclusively used against women. Absolutely. Most of the victims are Hollywood actors and South Korean K-pop singers. Spike. And it's embarrassing. Anything it's, to say now? Anything to say? About- I, I'm embarrassed to be an old white guy right. in Any, this day and age. Those poor K-pop boys getting their images distorted and put I, on the internet. I, I couldn't tell the real thing from the fakes with, when it comes to K-pop. That's I don't know them well I, enough. I'm embarrassed by it. that. All right, we'll take a really quick break. When we get back, part-time jobs. Why is this a thing? Why are we talking about it? Well, more and more people are getting part-time jobs because they don't want full-time jobs because they want more leisure time and they're willing to, to pay effectively a poverty tax just to say, hey, man, I'm only working three days this week. The rest wow. of the time, what am I doing? I'm Begging. hanging out. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going I'm going to be uh, dumpster Busting. diving. That's what I'm going to be doing. We'll take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Gen Z's bringing back the part-time job because they're lazy. You know what? I've been thinking about this a lot, Spike, because I keep seeing clips of... Uh, moms who are young moms or young dads and or whatever it is and they're being crushed by the oppressive corporate matrix that we all live under okay see a video of like a nurse who says i'm a full-time nurse my husband is a full-time nurse we only have a hundred dollars to last us until the end of the month you know what i mean like that kind of thing yeah and so i keep seeing this um uh all these kind of social indicators of things that you would see about class discontent Okay. Is what we would call it in political theory, where you have people who are uh, told that these are the things that you need to do in order to succeed, and then they do those things, and they are still miserable. Okay. And so one of the points that I try to bring up to people often is that uh, there's a lot of talk around leftism as a concept, socialism in the United States, and people go like, we shall never be a socialist country. You hear this a lot from kind of sure. the corporate class sure. or whatever. And I, I think what people fail to see is what I see, which is that when you have young people like Gen Z or whatever it is, or millennials, and the system doesn't work for them in the same way that it worked for Gen X or for boomers, right? where they are effectively locked out of progressing in life. Yeah. If they can't have it, they will take it. And the way that they will do that is by instituting programs which no longer or which no longer I- impede them. From having those things. Okay. Okay. So if I can't have a good health care plan, I will vote it in through the state. If I if this if they are not going to deal with the homeless population, vote in more programs for homelessness reduction, more housing, whatever it is. Okay. And in a way, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy for conservatives who are saying, you understand, because they're not engaging with these kids. Right, right. I see what your point is. And so when they come to them with these like boilerplate things of, well, you work 40 hours a week or you have two jobs or whatever it is, and then eventually you – that is a much steeper sales pitch than what Gen Z is saying, which is like I'll give away 30% of my income if I can have universal health care. They are that desperate, right? They are that – at that point of wit's end – where they are freely saying, I will invite this level of state intrusion into my life if I can just live a peaceful life. Well, because they've been shown time and time again that the old system of which we progressed under doesn't work anymore. Doesn't right. work for them. It's not right. there anymore. Right. 
And so I think that that's the dissonance here, which is why this article that's talking about, oh, well, Gen Z is bringing back the part-time job. The reason is because, like, I have a friend of mine whose dad worked for the same company for, like, 35 years. And he worked in, a like, a government building in, in uh, Central California. Okay. Uh, and he went to this, like, gray – this is in Marina, California, which is basically fog 300 days out of the year. Okay. Every day he drives over to this building. He works his nine to five. He goes home. His dad died before he was supposed to go into retirement. And my buddy goes, I'm not living that life. Okay. I'm not doing that. So he decides to leave his job. And now he does like travel writing and travel blogging. Okay. He's like, I'm not going to live that life. I'm not going to be in a box all day. Right. So I think what's going on now is like when people are saying like, well, why don't people understand the history of socialism? Or why don't people understand the history? They do understand it. They don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the, that's the key point here, where they're saying like, I want to have another kid. I can't afford to have another kid. Why is it that a daycare is costing twenty five thousand dollars? Why can't I afford to stay at home on one income? When people do this thing where they're like, oh, these kids are just ignorant to the history of socialism or whatever. It's not. They're not ignorant to it. They they think that they can build a new system using those same tools, and that's why I think Gen Z trends more specifically. Gen Z women trend more towards redistributionist programs. And why people are checking out of the corporate matrix at record rates because they don't they don't feel as if their life essence is worth whatever they're getting in return from the system. Yeah, I, I think that's very well thought through. Thank you. Like, the system has let them left them behind. Right, and then they're it's told un, the, and, the future is unattainable to this generation. They're told to be grateful. For the little bit that they get, and then Bernie Sanders comes on TikTok, and he says it doesn't have to be this way. And they go, yes, get me my Che Guevara shirt. I'm taking it to the streets, and I'm working a part-time job because they don't want to do it anymore. And quite frankly, I don't blame them. I really don't I because you have to think about it. You have to be empathetic in that way towards people who are saying, why would I – work and die for 80k a year right and and, and never be able to own a home right why do that when i can just go work for three days at a pizza shop and have a have a a co-op with five or six of my closest roommates hey finding different ways to get to the finish line you know we're not all the same we're not we shouldn't all come out of a cookie cutter mentality it used to be that with that was everybody did it this way because it worked for everybody yeah It, it doesn't anymore so you have to find new ways to get through yeah, or you start a swatting scheme, or you start Im- trying to embezzle money from that. people. Yeah. And like I said that. before that I almost saw some. Uh, I was almost glad the kid was doing it for monetary gain, as opposed to just some kind of political statement sure. or just a prank. At least he had some. At least he was trying to earn a living, right? Which is a horrible thing to say, and I want to apologize to all of you for having said it. Well, right good twice. job today, everybody. Andrew, a plus today, my friend. Especially with that beard segment, you were on fire. Thank you. On fire, my friend. Nate Connors over there in the booth. Excellent, excellent traffic coverage. Appreciate it. Top to bottom. Laura, A+, for backing me up against Spike's bad boomer take. And (laughs) Spike, (laughs) here it comes. You didn't didn't call me back on your birthday, but because you were so appreciative of my birthday text, C-. C minus today on Monday, my friend. You're making me cry it's twice. A really, in one show. It's a really good way to start off the week, right? It is. It's a great week. I can Maybe. slack the rest of the week. Come up with a D plus average. <laughs> this is great. This is how I did college. Look at me. I don't learn. I I don't learn. Here's your quote of the day. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? America ah. hasn't elected a man with facial hair in, in three generations. And look at what's going on. Well, look at I what's mean, going. We're falling we're, apart at the seams here. 